veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business, you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition. We demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or are looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of The Bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. I was recently on the Military Money Show with host Lacey Langford when she asked me what single piece of advice would I give to veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. My recommendation was that they get a business coach. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. How the heck are you supposed to afford a business coach on top of all your other expenses, especially when you aren't even paying yourself yet? This is what I'll tell you, and it requires a bit of a paradigm shift. If you want to compete at the highest levels of sports or any form of athletic competition, having a coach is a non-negotiable. As a national champion boxer, I couldn't imagine training and competing for the national championship without a coach in my corner. While it's easy for us to equate the importance of a coach with success in sports, ironically, we don't equate the importance of coaching with regards to performing at the highest levels of success in our businesses and personal lives. In an effort to share with you all the knowledge and insights I've learned from my business coach, Bill Watkins, I invited him on today's show to discuss how entrepreneurs can 10x their businesses. Bill is an Army veteran and founder of the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company that serves mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. After I received a 25K grant from the Street Shares Foundation back in 2019, I decided to use some of that grant money to invest in business coaching and was soon introduced to Bill and the rest of his team. On today's show, Bill and I talk about how to 10X your business and avoid the common pitfalls entrepreneurs make with regards to growing and scaling. I give Bill and his team all the credit in the world for helping me navigate the chaos of 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic, coming out on the other side of it better than when we went in. Bill is a wealth of knowledge, drastically helping me increase my business acumen, and I promise you, this is an episode you don't want to miss. Now, before we hear from Bill, I want to remind everyone that if you're feeling stuck in your ventures, have questions about any of the topics we've covered on this podcast thus far, I want to encourage you to tune in to Bunker Office Hours live weekly at 11 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Come with your questions. I'll be there to answer them along with other members of the Bunker Lab staff. Also, be sure to check out our blog. We're putting up valuable content and resources for you all so that you don't feel like you're going at things alone. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and also let us know what you think about the show and what we can do better. This episode of The Transition is brought to us by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that it accelerates you on your entrepreneurial journey. Bill, thanks for joining us at the bunker. How you doing today? What's up, bro? Anytime I get to hang out with you and I get to hang out with you on behalf of Bunker Labs, I either died and went to heaven or I'm having a great day. Well, I'll, such... I'll assume it's the latter. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a pleasure having you here. And uh, I'm excited for all the knowledge and insights you're going to be able to drop to our to our guests, to our listeners today. But before we get into all that, can you take a moment and introduce yourself to our audience? You betcha. So everybody heard my name, Bill Watkins. I graduated from West Point, the United States Military Academy in 1977. I served as an Army engineer. And then I became a five-time uh, entrepreneur, small business entrepreneur. I successfully exited uh, for eight eight-figure valuations. And then I became the founder of what will become my last company. So I'm the founder, CEO, Mike, of Lions Pride. And over at the Lions Pride, we're a proven accelerator. We have hundreds of alumni. You're currently an active member. So we have members uh, like Mike Stedman. For uh, pre and early revenue uh, startup entrepreneurs, Mike, and growth revenue small business owners. Our specialty, as you might surmise, are military veteran founder CEOs. Personally, Mike, I live in Jackson, Wyoming. I married my West Point sweetheart. Uh, I have two married children, one grandson, and I am a backcountry wilderness adventure. I'll do anything in the backcountry, Mike, uh, with the intent of coming back home and surviving out there. 
Well, Bill, uh, he's he's giving himself. How do I say this? Right? I don't think Bill's giving himself justice. So for my listeners out here, you probably <laughs> heard me constantly re- reference Bill. You know, I describe him as my business coach. You know, a mentor, friend, just just so much of a a role model as I've been in this entrepreneurial journey. And so I find it a real privilege to be able to pull back the curtain on my own life and uh, bring in some people that have helped me uh, get to where I am. And I definitely credit Bill and his organization with the lion's pride of making me a sharper and stronger entrepreneur. And so uh, I figured we'll just go ahead and get right into it because I want to make this an office hour session. So, uh, you know, my goal is at the end of this, you know, Bill and I are going to be able to have a discussion that leaves you all with some actionable takeaways you can apply totally. in your businesses starting, starting tomorrow. But before we do that, Absolutely, like we do with Mike. all our guests, we got to have Bill take off his armor. So, Bill, what's something you're struggling <laughs> with <laughs> as a small business owner, either personally or professionally, in this age of Instagram fame and LinkedIn, uh, you know, LinkedIn awesomeness? Yeah, Mike, I, I tell everybody uh, and everyone has heard this quote, but I've been saying it a lot longer than most people. Oh, sure. I was an overnight success. I did walk on water. It only took me, you know, 40 years to do that. Um, I don't I don't believe in in overnight successes. Uh, they're rarely true when the curtain gets pulled back. And if there's one thing I am, Mike, I live by the West Point Honor Code, meaning I don't lie about myself. I don't cheat you and want you to think I'm anything, and I'll never steal your loyalty or your attention based on false pretense. So, Mike, uh, I'm about as real as you get. You know, Suzanne Clance, um, I mean, sorry, Beverly Clance and Suzanne Lowry created the imposter phenomena assessment. You remember taking that, Mike, back at the uh, March Tactical Advance? And uh, it's on a scale of one to 100. And if you're above 60, then you definitely suffer from the imposter phenomenon. And I I don't need to uh, go through that. But what I can tell you is I scored a 20. So when I was your age, Mike, I probably scored a 99. You know, I was the guy who needed to pretend like I wanted everything. I did everything. And I would put my Superman cape on in the morning, walk on water all day, and then, you know, save the world at night in my spare time. I don't, I don't have that anymore, Mike. So I'm, I'm the real deal as far as telling you what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. What I'm not good at, Mike, right now is uh, when we sign up members, Mike, like you, we have the chance to accelerate them in their business uh, away from work. And we do that at the same time. And maybe we'll talk about that. But here's the point. When I don't drive revenue, meaning I don't make sales, I get no impact. And I have a hard time living with that, Mike. So you've worked on your, your brand playbook, you know, your, your brand, you've built your brand, your Ironbound brand. We've walked you through how to build your customer activation cycle. And sometimes, Mike, I feel like I don't even live by that same, that, that you know, I'm the cobbler whose kids have no shoes. And so right now, uh, we had a leadership retreat in Nashville two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I literally stood, stood in front of my leadership team and I said, guys, we got to crack this revenue challenge. I want to fix this. I'm sick and tired of not having impact and being the guy teaching other people how to do this when I'm not doing it myself. So that's what we're amidst right now. Our brand is strong. I would say our sales are okay but it's not the level of impact that I want to make, Mike. So that's pulling the curtain back. I appreciate you sharing that honesty um, and openly with uh, our listeners here. And, you know, one of the things that I've, I've learned from you, which has like been very impactful for me is, you know, you mentioned this, you know, five time entrepreneur, but it's still hard for you today. It's Ooh. not like you just, you're just rolling out here, hitting home runs, you know, it's like, it's hard and it's a grind. And that's yeah. how, I start to realize that a lot of people out here are pretenders and faking it because I know the guys that have actually run million dollars, multi-million dollar businesses, and they don't sit there and tell you how awesome they are and flex on Instagram. You know, it's, it's, it's a grind. Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a lot older than you are. And by nature, um, I'm a very grumpy, sometimes old stoic. 
And so I'm happy to go to a networking event. My intent in going is to help people. Um, and I get frustrated with uh, the peacocks running around uh, telling me how great they are. And I go, listen, bro, that sounds awesome. How much did you pay yourself last year? How many people did you hire? How much money did you raise? And if you can't give me real numbers that you could back up with your bank account, I can't help you because until you get real with me and until you tell me where you really are, not like where you would like me to think you are or where you imagine you could get to if all the stars aligned, bro, you got to tell me or girl, you got to tell me right now where you're at. Otherwise, what are we talking about? We're talking about somebody's imagination and it happens to be your imagination. I'm imagining I can help you. You're imagining you don't need help because you're a rock star. But I just found out that you haven't paid yourself in three years as an entrepreneur. You still have a second job. You still have a primary job and that you hope someday that you can launch your company. You know what? You're going to be here in two more years and we're going to have the same conversation. So Mike, it's all about getting real. It's getting raw. It's getting authentic. And any entrepreneur who tells you that it was easy peasy is either lying through their teeth or they didn't try hard, or frickin' they're the one person on the planet who launched a company and it was so easy. Why do you think it's so hard? Why do you think people like talk over themselves when you start bringing up revenue and you know what they're paying themselves? It's almost like crickets, right? It's all, yeah, man, stuff is so awesome, we're doing this. But all of a sudden, when you gotta talk about the real stuff, especially as early stage bootstrap entrepreneurs, many of us who don't really know what we're doing, let's be honest, you know, why is it people getting so uncomfortable when we talk about the real aspects of running a business? I think there's a couple of reasons for that, Mike. Um, first of all, m- many of the people that you and I are talking to are really, really good people, and they're very, very talented. And many of them have had success, and that's why um, they're, they're wanting to launch a company. So I, I totally get that. You know, if I was at a networking event 30 years ago, I would have done the exact same thing. But I've learned a few things since then. And what I have learned is when you get raw and real, that's when you really accelerate, not when you're pretending. So that's number one, is that they already are successful. Number two, the imposter phenomena is suffered by almost upwards of around 80% of the people you and I hang out with. Mike, you and I have talked about that many times at the Tactile Advance. Hey, who here suffers from imposter phenomena? All the hands go up, right? And you and I are in the room with decorated combat veterans, multi-company uh, exited CEOs. I mean, these are world-class athletes. I mean, these are really successful people, and yet they suffer from imposter phenomena. Who in the hell wants to go hang out with people who don't know you at all. And you just go, Oh, I'm an imposter. I suck. I'm not doing any good. I'm floundering. Nobody. I mean, you have to have a little trust with people. And so instead of sitting over in the side of the room, which is what I would do, they're there, they're engaging. They want to hang out with people. And so what story do you tell? You, You don't say, Hey, my wife and I are having big problems and, and we're going to marriage counseling, people say, hey, you know, how, how are you and your wife? Or it comes up, uh, oh, I heard you had your anniversary. And you're like, yeah, things are going so great. It's just not the normal dynamic, but it's also not where you get real. So on the one hand, I can totally understand and empathize with it, Mike. I just want to challenge everybody to what Mike and I now know is that you don't accelerate that way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsors, which brought us here today before we do a, a continue into our deep dive, which is Bunker Labs, a national network of veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs dedicated to helping the military connected community start their own business. We're committed to seeing that every entrepreneur in the military connected community has the network tools and resources they need to start their own businesses. 25% of transition and service members want to start a business and they need places inside their community where they can connect with the people, resources and support they need. We're here for them. You can learn more by visiting www.bunkerlabs.org. 
Be sure to also register at Bunker Online, our social network for the military connected community, where the Bunker Lab staff helps make connections to increase your opportunities. Register today by clicking the connect button at BunkerLabs.org. Now, Bill, you started your company, the the first company, the Marina Group, in 1993, I believe, or around that area. Uh, Your base is it? Was it your basement or was it your your upstairs loft? So, Mike, um, in 1993, I was um, leading a privately held company and uh, reporting to the board, uh, left corporate America. But I, I just realized that that while I thought I had the freedom that I felt like I needed at that at that age, that point in my life, I realized that ultimately I needed to move on my own. I worked for a great Great family. Uh, it was a family-owned business. Uh, a great father-son duo, and they're still awesome. But I, I was the one who needed more freedom. So I announced. I think it was in '93 or '94 that um, I would hire my replacement and that I would leave. I think I officially left in '95. Left a great job. My father actually was quite angry with me. Uh, about being so selfish and jeopardizing the lives of his grandchildren to be an entrepreneur. And I moved uh, into the bonus room above my little cul-de-sac home, Mike. So that bonus room was probably, I don't know, 200 square feet. It had a cinder block plywood desk. It had a two-line phone mic because I was going to get so many phone calls. And um, I think I got a gaming computer from Best Buy because it had a two-year financing or something like that. And that was the start of my empire. And during this time, were there a lot of veteran, like entrepreneurial resources out there? I mean, how were you able to you kind of look at what's available today, even your company, the Lions Pride and things like Bunker Labs? Like, what did you have to lean on back in the you know early 90s? I'll answer that in two ways. Um, First of all, I wasn't one back then who asked for help. And so I probably didn't canvas everything that was available to me. I was in Northeast Georgia uh, in a fairly well, right outside of Atlanta. There were probably a lot of, maybe there weren't. Uh, I know Atlanta has a lot of incubators and entrepreneurial resources now, but I didn't really spend a lot of time looking. I, I figured I could figure it out on my own. I did get plugged in um, with SCORE. Uh, It's a very common SBA program. And then SCORE referred me to the SBA. um, I don't remember what it was called, but it was an SBA field office. I remember his name was Daryl, and he gave me a lot of help. And that was about it, Mike. Um, Maybe there was a lot more, but I certainly didn't look for him. And probably if I'd found them, I would have thought, I was smarter than them anyway. Yeah. Not not good. No bueno. One thing I've learned within being in Bunker Labs and being part of Lions Pride is the power of having a cohort, the power of having like-minded individuals moving the deck together uh, in the same direction. And one yeah. thing I'll say is what brought me to Bill, just so y'all know, it was getting to the point to where I was doing a bunch of different things. I had my for-profit, which was teaching boxing to companies in New York City metro area. I had yep. my nonprofit. I was doing some consulting work and I felt like I was kind of scatterbrained, like all over the place. And yep. I was already seeking for an executive coach. I didn't even know what executive coach was. I just started asking around and I got a call from uh, uh, another veteran who said, hey, man, I would love to introduce you to uh, Bill Watkins. Because matter of fact, the guy that does our apparel at Ironbound is part of the Lions Pride Bills group. And so he had already yep. made the introduction. Uh, but somebody actually called, and as soon as he did, I was like, "Man, sign me up!" And that was a little almost over. Was it over two years ago? I don't Definitely. even know. Years ago, approaching now? three, Mike. Yeah, but I don't want to say I have it figured out. It's still like the Wizard of Oz. You know, you're the high behind the curtain, pulling a bunch of different strings. But yep. I've been doing it for a while now, and yep. I'm a lot stronger and better. And I, I definitely give Bill and his team team credit for that. Um, and so what we're going to do with this office hour session is we're going to talk about, mm. you know, how to 10X your business. And yep. so, Bill, let's right off the bat, what's the biggest mistake you think early stage business owners and startup founders make? I have my opinions, but I'm, I'm curious to hear yours first. Uh, my opinion, and I think you were going to ask me um, 
you were going to ask me what I would do over. You may ask me what I'm going to do over. And they're, they're aligned, Mike, is um, believing that you are sufficient by yourself and believing that doing it yourself so number one, believing that you can figure it out, you have everything that you need, that that grinding it out, all those things you read about in magazines is the way to launch a company, believing that. And then believing that even if you aren't the right person to do this, you should do it because that's what entrepreneurs do. They, they, they save money, they don't sleep, they, they do it all themselves. And believing those two things, which centers around, I need to do it myself, um, is probably the mistake that I observe in upwards of 90%, maybe 95% of pre and early revenue um, startup founders. Now, Mike, you know that that most of our cohort membership is the, the membership program we have at the Lions Pride for, for uh, CEOs is targeted more towards growth. You're, you're a growth now. But when you first got here, you were early revenue. You had some revenue. You had raised some money for your nonprofit, but you were very early. Now you're in growth rate. You just told me you got another premium client. Um, you've built those systems, but you, of course, you did that a lot by yourself, but you've done that with a lot of help. And so I think that's the biggest mistake, and it's the biggest accelerant that your listeners can make right now. Uh, read this book, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Who Not How. The person who looks at something, launch a business, thinks, how will I do that? What Dan says is, no, you say, I want to launch a business or I need to do a marketing thing or I need to do this or do that. You say, who can help me do this? Or who can do it for me? And Mike, you remember, you were that way too. You didn't ask who, you just asked how. How can I do that? That's the mistake entrepreneurs make. When you're first starting out though, you know, it's like you, all of us, most of us at the Lions Pride are bootstrapped entrepreneurs. Um, a lot of I people- I think all, all, yeah. everyone. All, so let me tell y'all, million dollar businesses, right? Bootstrapped, started out of people's basements, in the back rooms, et cetera. And they're thriving now, right? But I will tell you, when you start to make that shift and you focus on your venture full-time and you're barely paying yourself, let's be honest, because a lot of bootstrap early-stage business owners, it's not like you're taking home that, you know, 100K a year salary. You know, you're lucky if you take home, you know, 2 to 5K, you know, uh, to pay yeah. Um. So people are dealing with this. We're already dealing with the idea of like, I have a family. I got to pay my living expenses. Now you're telling me I got to hire talent. You know, I, got, I need to find the right people. And we know what happens with relationships, business partners go sour, co-founders, et cetera, right? Yep. So we hear you, Bill, but not how, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. how do we go to, you know, get the right people if we can't even afford to pay ourselves? Well, that, that's true, Mike. Uh, you know, I was there. Uh, I, I remember um, telling uh, my, my wife when I wanted to walk away from a very plush job, well-paid, you know, a lot of benefits, I want to I wanna launch my own company. And I said, you know, this is going to be a gold mine and, you know, six months will be okay. Well, Mike, we weren't two and a half years later. And we were on food stamps and church hand-me-downs. It was absolutely miserable. There were times when I didn't have enough money to buy coffee filters and I would either reuse them or I would use paper towels. So, you know, I have totally been there. Um, Deep in debt, no cash flow, couldn't even, you know, sign my kids up to go to the pediatrician. I get it. So... There's this there there is some hardcore facts to that and and I can't ignore that if you need to pay the mortgage or you need to uh you know hire somebody that I would tell you to hire okay listen I get it but most entrepreneurs lean way too hard over there 
to I'm not going to pay myself, that, that, that. I'm not going to hire people, I'm not going to do this, way too long and way to the extreme, Mike. You were an example, and so are probably 85% of our members who, as you said, were bootstrapping. You know, they came in at 200K and now they're doing a couple million. They came in at, at a million and now they're doing 5 million. All of them came in very talented. And when we said, no, you need to hire a such and such, they were like, no way. Right. You said that. You said that for at least a year, Mike. I did. I'm guilty. Guilty as charged, y'all. Wasn't and what did you, in the, in the pre-show, what did you tell me that you you just put your email on what? Uh, I'm limited access, limited email access. And who did you say to contact if uh, someone really needed you? Admin at weareironbound.com. And who is that? That's my admin, administrative assistant, Gabby. So you hired a Gabby. You hired, you know, I have yep. a Reagan. Uh, Jed has a page. You know what I mean? Mike has a... Aaron, uh, Phil has a Sally now. And so these are the accelerant tools. So uh, let me speak to your audience. If you're a founder CEO or you're pre-revenue and you want to get your company launched, one thing that you're probably really, really good at is fight, is, is the sales. It, Mike, when you were in COVID, you sold deals. When you came out of COVID and you, or during COVID, you relaunched, your, you pivoted your company to a new business model, you sold those clients. When you were writing checks to pay bills, when you were answering, you know, the 80% of your emails that are dumb and they shouldn't be even in your inbox, or you were doing XYZ, you did not have the time to talk to prospects, clients. And so what I'm saying is it's always a choice of your time. Especially if you're married, you have a family, you want to stay healthy, you want to exercise and all that stuff. And so you're saying, oh, I can't afford somebody like that. You can't afford not to have somebody like that because your gobby allows you to either do the research you need to do for your business. Uh, I know you create a lot of content, do this podcast, sign up new prospects, sign that partnership you just did with your new uh, uh, agency, all that sort of stuff, Mike, you don't have time to do if you still had to do the stuff that Gabby does. Right. That's what I mean by who, not how. And I think too, I think one of the things that I I, want to encourage listeners to do is when we're first starting it, we think we have it figured out, right? Like we have a plan, we got everything. But once you start launching, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. You know, that's what Mike Tyson says, right? And what ends up happening is people try to stick to the plan instead of adapting to the environment and the surroundings. And then at a certain point, you have to adopt this mentality. This is me speaking my personal opinion of, are you willing to do what it takes? And I don't necessarily mean anything illegal, anything immoral, but in the sense of like, yo, if I'm going to get to the next level, I might have to get a business coach. I might have to hire an admin, you know, I might have to purchase that piece of equipment. Right, you know? And it's like, once you set your mind on that, instead of talking about all the things that you can't do, you say, all right, if I were to do this, what would need to happen? And then you kind right. of work your way back, you know? Mike, my, my, my story, I remember you put the Lions Pride on your credit card, I believe, because you were pre-revenue or very, very early revenue. And your business wasn't able to, uh, you know, we're... we're you know, we charge for our membership. So you, I remember you put us on. I was very impressive. I was very grateful for that. And our intent is, of course, to give you an ROI on that investment. But I remember myself personally, Mike, uh, back in the day in the 90s, credit credit card limits and credit card credit lines were very easy to get. Not so easy today. But I had a total of $255,000 on credit card lines. And when I went to my wife, uh, the first week in December of 1996, I had $252,000 in credit card debt, and I had $3,000 left to survive. And that $3,000 between the mortgage payment, the car payment, food for the kids, and all that stuff, I mean, basically, it was like to the end of the month, yeah? And so uh, all I want to say is this. I was not smart enough to 
hire anybody back in that day. That was all me churning and burning and paying bills and doing accounting and, you know, figuring out technology and all this stupid stuff when I should have been out on the road driving revenue. But if I looked at my calendar, Mike, I had all these other things that I should be doing to run the company, but that meant there was only this amount of time left for sales. Well, that was stupid. But at the time, I didn't see that. Okay. So I get the fact that, you know, you have to make these tough decisions. But sometimes somebody who's been ahead, like Mike Stedman, would say, hey, you got this amount of money to launch your company? Hire, hire an assistant and go get clients. One thing I want to talk about, too, um, is for early stage. And I was guilty of this. And you helped me get over that, which was selling. Let's talk about selling. Because I know you come from a sales background. I do. But some entrepreneurs out there don't. And mm. I see them, especially here in the bunker ecosystem of the idea, the plan, the pitch decks. You know, look at this. Look at that. This is what we're going to do. Right? But they're not getting out there validating the business model. They're not out there selling. And you, when I did my corporate wellness company, you were like, Mike, slick your hair back. I still got the voice messages. You know, put on a clean shirt, do something, but get out there and sell. Get out of the hype. And I feel like we're in this hype phase of entrepreneurship. You know, it's just like posting on social, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't necessarily lead to revenue. So how do you get early stage business owners to embrace the sales aspect? Mm. Couple of uh, thank you for bringing that up because it's so important. And you heard when I pulled the curtain back on Bill Watkins, you heard that I'm even dealing with that, right? I don't I don't have any trouble with sales. I love sales. Okay, it's it's uh, I guess between being CEO of the company and creating content and loving on our members, I sometimes prioritize it. So I think for me, it's more a time time priority thing than it is a, I don't like sales. I adore sales, and I'm gonna tell you why, Mike. Because if we live on this planet to help people, that's what everybody says on their tombstone. I, I wanna leave the, build, the world a better place. And you have a product or you have a service, okay? And you don't sell it, you don't leave the world a better place because they bought your product or they bought your service. You, you left them hanging because you were too embarrassed or you felt dirty or whatever. Mike, when I'm talking to somebody like you and I talk to them every day and they're kind of checking out the lion's pride, I really want to help them, whatever that means. I am never going to sell anything to anybody that they don't want or they don't need. And so I think, Mike, there's a first, there's a mindset shift, Mike, which is I'm not selling, I'm helping. And I won't sell. We've all experienced people selling you things that you don't want or you don't need. In the old days, it was car dealers. I'm sure there's other kind of high pressure. But when we open a door to an opportunity and you've identified, this is number two, this is number two, you've identified your perfect customer and you know their problem. Everybody's got problems, Mike. You you have a uh, a a um, Platinum podcast business where you develop podcasts for people, right, Mike? I do. If you were to name the problem that you're solving for them, what is it? They don't know. They don't have a platform. They don't know where to begin. So, Mike, they have a problem. They need a platform so that they can market their business, so they can sell more, and you give them the solution to that. Does that make you feel bad? No, not at all. And I had to get over that. It makes you feel good that you're helping them. I was terrified of sales. And I talked to you about this. I didn't like sales because I think in my first business, I felt like I was forcing it on people. You know, I didn't know if it was really like, I know I was doing this boxing. I was a corporate. I'm a great trainer. But like the price points and everything, it felt like a bag. You know, like I was too anxious with it versus this. I feel like there's a pool. Like I know how viable it is for veteran business leaders and nonprofit executives to have a platform, you know, that they can right. create really good engaging content. And yeah. so I don't have to force this, you know, I no. get on, and I'll just say, Hey, I would love to help you if I can't. And I found sales actually be enjoyable. Like I felt refreshed yeah. sitting down for a sales call instead yeah. of like all this pressure and I'm sweating yeah. and anxious and everything else under the sun. Yeah. 
So Mike, I think first there's a mindset, then there's understanding your perfect customer. And your perfect customer is not someone with money, a credit card, and breath. See, that's the trouble with a lot of people is they'll sell anything to anybody. And therefore, they really sell nothing to nobody. And so understanding your perfect customer, which I know you're really good at, you have a process for that. Uh, and understanding because of that, you understand your perfect customer, their problem, and then connecting your beautiful solution, your product or your service with addressing that particular problem. That's a beautiful thing. I love it when I, I wish I could reach for something right here. I don't know. I'm going to grab this pen, right? It's a beautiful pen. I love writing with this pen, you know, and maybe it replaced some sort of cheap pen that would leak ink or whatever. But this feels good. It's, it's, it's lovely. I love my new iPhone. I just got a new iPhone because my old iPhone died. But anyway, I love it. It solved a problem. I love it. When the salesman, when I called Verizon and I said, hey, my phone's broken and, and he felt dirty and he didn't offer me a new phone because he didn't want to be seen as a salesman. That would have left me hanging with a problem. He solved it. It was beautiful. All right. Now, there's a third thing, Mike, and this is really important. There are systems that you've mastered, Mike. Okay. Your brand playbook, which is your voice. Like, what do you say to people about, you know, platinum podcasting? And what do you say about creating your platform? And what do you say about Mike Stedman or, you know, and then there's this, the customer activation cycle, which is the system of identifying where people are. The analogy I make, Mike, is, um, I don't know, you, you, you saw a pretty girl at a conference. You walked up and said, would you like to have a dinner? Um, or would you like to grab coffee? That's way different than if you just walked right up to her and said, hey, want to get married? Right. And so there's a process. She says, uh, sure, let's meet for coffee. And then you go to a couple of coffees and then maybe you grab a meal, which is a little longer, a little more intimate. And then maybe you go to a movie and then maybe you do an X and then do an X. And then maybe down the road, you, you, you kneel down and you propose to her. So there's a process to that that we kind of know, but then somehow we lose that in driving revenue and getting sales. But there's a process to that too. So when you put those three things together, sales becomes a lot easier. And it's definitely like breathing. In other words, you can't be a human unless you breathe, and you can't be a for-profit company unless you sell. And there are very few businesses uh, out there, unless it's something like Amazon or whatever. But I'm saying uh, no customer is going to find you on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm ready to buy. Right. Not, not in your business, not in my business. And so sales becomes this, this, this process that we have to go through coupled with a mindset. I think you have a, a, a saying you say sales is a long-term game. Yeah. You know, the short-term game is uh, I, I, I want a particular pen. I, I, I go to Amazon or I go to Google. I Google pen. I look at a couple of things, you know, pictures, and I click and I buy and I'm done. Okay. That, that, that's a short-term game, okay? Okay, you had to build the website. You had to have the inventory. You had to price it and all that. But what you and I are talking about for most people, okay, who aren't selling, you know, $20 pens or even $800 iPhones or whatever is the long game. And the long game is human to human. Usually, even B2B, Mike, is human to human, okay? There's a purchasing agent there. There's a... A, a a a human you're selling something to even if they're in a business or there's a consumer you're selling to and so mastering this process mastering the mindset and mastering their mindset the understanding their problem being empathetic now mike before you ask me your next question let me say this i told you how close i was to the end of my financial runway on december 6th of 1996 I had $3,000 left, which was going to take me about three weeks, okay? When I was out selling, do you feel like I was as calm as I am now? No, bro. I was desperate, okay? So I understand desperate. I understand panic. I understand doing whatever it takes to get a sale. 
I'm just saying that if we get in front of the sales process, we never get ourselves to that process. We never get ourselves to that point, I mean, okay? So I get it, but let's not let that happen. Let's get way in front of the sales process so we never get to Bill's desperation point. Yeah, when I launched this podcast agency, uh, one of the first things I did was I validated the business model. So I was still yeah. teaching my corporate boxing classes and I just started selling right away. I've barely gone public with this thing, you know, right. and I did exactly what you said of I focused on the sales, going out there, getting clients, onboarding clients, having the comfort so you're not pressed and desperate. And then you get in this pack where you get to actually pick and choose which clients you want to work with, which clients fill you up versus which clients drain you. You know, you're the first right. person who taught me, hey, you need to fire them. You know, like you can literally right. fire clients. Or not sign them up. Or not sign them up. Yeah. Now, Mike, there's a concept here that I think your viewers uh, can benefit from, Mike. And, and I'd actually like you to talk about it because I saw you master it. It's we don't do surveys about what people are going to buy. We sell beta customers. Yep. So beta customers is a lot of times people say, what should I charge for my services? Or what should I offer? What is this? At the end of the day, when you're first starting out, you don't know. You got to let the market tell you. And one of the things that we do is we do beta customers. So you come up with your business idea, your business plan, right? You've got your menu of products and services. And before you start to purchase office space, do all this other stuff, man, get right. out there and make sure somebody's willing to pay you for your products or services first, right. right? And then get some more beta customers until you get real input, real feedback. You know, uh, Jim Collins, one of our favorite authors, uh, he talks about fire bullets and cannonballs, you know? Right. So you fire a bunch of bullets, you test, you test, you test, you validate. And then when you when it's hidden, ping, 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 over and over again, Boom. then you fire that cannonball and say, hey, Boom. solid business model. I got a solid sales plan. You know, let's go. Well, you know, Randy, uh, in the cohort, uh, Randy uh, has been working on his new business. Uh, Zahan also, uh, same way. And uh, they're just at different timings. Randy just launched about three months ago. Zahan launched a year and three months ago. But what they did, both of them did, is they said, hey, listen, I'm going to sign up 15 beta customers. I'm going to price this service, I believe, at, let's make up a number, 100 bucks, okay? But my beta customers are going to pay 20, and you're going to pay that for life. As long as you're a beta customer, I'll never raise your price. But I'm only going to take 15 customers. Here's what we're going to do. Who wants to sign up? And then you get them in there for 20 bucks. But let's say you need to really make money at 100. You can now ask them, hey, you're my beta customer. Part of beta is you got to give me feedback. Would you pay a hundred bucks? I'm not asking you to, but if I had come now that you know what this product is, would it be worth a hundred to you? Well, they're going to say, no, it'd be worth 150. Their price is protected. Okay. No, it's 150 or it's 80 or it's 70. And what if I added this? And what if I subtracted that? See, now you have this real flow of information as opposed to what everybody does where they just guess and they wander and wander around. And the thing with beta customers, too, is it lets you fix your back end, right? Totally. Because this is what nobody tells us, Bill, is everybody thinks we want these big brands right out the gate. Like if I'm a digital marketer or something, you think I want Spotify and LinkedIn and all these places as clients. But guess what, man? If it's your first time dealing with them, sending invoices, you know, taking a project to completion, reporting KPIs, reporting all this kind of stuff, you don't want to do that at the Super Bowl, you know? Because then it ruins your no. reputation. Totally. Nobody's going to work with you anymore. And it's just embarrassing. And so the beta customer allows you to fix yourself, confirm that you're able to deliver the value that you're promised, get really good at it, and build yourself up around it over time instead of just trying to do it right out the gate. Because this business is hard. <laughs> you know, you learn what you don't know what you don't know. And you don't figure it out until you start dealing with clients. Well, let me ask you, I got to ask you two questions, Mike. Isn't it better to do everything that you just said, to learn about your back end of your business, to build your front end and all that on somebody else's money, even if it isn't all the money you want to earn, than just digging 100% out of your savings? Absolutely. Let me ask you another question. Mike, you were a Marine. Um, you were a boxer. Uh, you were a Naval Academy. 
Um, did you just jump in and become the Marine you were? When did you, how many years did you serve as a Marine? Five. Five years. And how long did you box? Uh, four years. Four years. Mike, did you just put on a Marine uniform and become a Marine day to day? No, it was a process. How did you prepare for it? It's a process over time. I mean, they sent us to training, right? Training. Apply for it. We had to do all this kind of stuff to earn the right. You know, to really be. How about um, how about boxing? Did you just put on some gloves and jump into the national, the Golden Gloves national championship? Absolutely not. Trained every day. Got my pay, face punched in. You know, trained at gyms all across the uh, U.S. Um, to prepare myself for nationals. Mike, why you you hang around with a lot of people? You do a lot of podcasts. Why do people think that business is any easier than boxing in the Marines? Why do people think that they should know it all, that they can just step into the business ring, put on some gloves, and win the round? It's because we're comparing ourselves to others. You know, mm. people look, and we don't, we don't know, right? So, like, you starting Alliance Pride, right? Somebody on the outside might not know that, hey, this is your fifth company. You know, they don't know that you might have had a background in, you know, all the coaching you've done before or the, the time you spent with coaches, you know, before starting your own, your own thing. So when they see your right. growth and acceleration, they think they should be able to do it off the bat as well. And I think it's just this, we don't really know business in this country. I think we're so far, even with all the knowledge, the books, the podcasts, all this kind of stuff, what I see from people that are starting out is that they still don't really know how this thing works. You know, right. and it goes back to what we were talking about before of this peacock and this, I got to have it all figured out. I got to have this. And right. I think this brings up a good point. What's going to ask you about is mm. in this age of startup culture, fast mm. growth companies, right? Mm. You can't really in this for small business owners. I think sometimes we try to apply the startup mentality of the growth hacking, all this mm. kind of stuff, you know, churn and burn customers, which doesn't mm. work for small businesses. No, I, it, you know, <clears throat> well, I to be honest, I don't think things, it works but- it doesn't work for startups either because people are upset now when they're paying all this money for the subscription and they call, you know, for something's breaking and they can't get anybody right. on the phone. And, you know, people are, right. you know, it's, it's like, there's that still that human human. We want to deal with people. Right. The, the, there's a difference though, between micro small business and, and, you know, say capital backed, uh, bigger businesses or, or, or even capital backed small businesses, you know, you and I who bootstrap, we, we have a, a, a known end to our financial runway. Uh, and every dollar we spend is our dollar. Uh, whereas capital backed businesses have a little bit, uh, uh, they not a little bit, oftentimes they have a lot of bit of a financial cushion. So those founders and those CEOs have the so-called luxury of, of, you know, churning and burning and growing and hacking and all that sort of stuff. Small businesses is a lot different, especially if you're producing a product, Mike. Um, could you, you know, you actually create content. You have a process, okay? So example, could you quadruple your new clients and still deliver the value that, that you intend to deliver based on exactly how your company is organized today? Absolutely not. Yeah, because you probably have to hire some more staff and you have to, you know, figure all that out. And so, so, uh, you know, Bubba, Bubba, Bubba manufactures things. He has machinery. He has production people. If he went out and tenfolded his revenue, which makes for a good book or a good blog post, it won't work well because he can't, you know, day to day or even probably month to month or quarter to quarter. 10 times his employment, 10 times his machinery and not screw it up. So um, I think it's really important for these, uh, for you, the viewers or, or, or the podcast listeners to understand that while all of this sounds really glitzy and nice for most of us, it's not our reality. I, I, I can read about Julian Edelman and, and uh, you know, um, Tom Brady and, and, you know, all these rock stars, Gronk and all these rock stars, but they're the elite of the elite of the elite of the elite. 
What you and I are talking about is while we aspire to be elite and probably we were elite in our backgrounds, we are not elite in business today. So let's not measure our progress by them. Let's measure with people who are in our peer group, who are in our circle or slightly a little ahead of us. That's great advice because I think too, is like at the end of the day, I've only been doing this, what, three years now? Mm -hmm. So it's crazy to think that you know, I'm going to be like the Bill Gates or all these other guys, you know, right. um, it takes no. time. It takes time. Totally. totally. And, and I think there's a proven process for that that makes it easier, faster and better. But what I observe and I was just talking to a few people uh, who were interested in the Lions Pride today. And I, I just had to say, listen, I have these calls all the day, I, all day. I was you 40 years ago. I'm telling you. You do not know how you are choosing the hard, slow way. To you, it seems like the normal way. And I understand that. I, you know, I was telling them what you're doing that you think is normal is completely the hard, slow way. Don't think that what you're doing is going to get you the results that you're reading about in that blog or that those books you just read or that person you saw on YouTube or that podcast you listened to. It's way uh, easier than you are doing it today. And those results are probably, in many cases, fabricated. Now, I can't let you leave here, Bill, talking about how to 10x our businesses without first, without talking about also how to 10x our lives. Because in everything Mm -hmm. that we do, it goes hand in hand. And in this age of the pandemic, mental health, veterans transitioning, there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't want to just have, you know, an awesome business and then stuff is falling apart at home. We're not hanging out with our girlfriends or wives or kids. We're not fulfilled. So how do we have that 10x life? Well, I think that the 10x life uh, has a component, Mike, of our work. Uh, Our work is fulfillment. Our work is economics. Our work is impact. And so. you know, you, you do, you've done uh, what I call our life wheel GPS. And I, I call it the 10 categories of the extraordinary life of, wh- of which work is at, at, at the 12 o'clock position. It's super important. But uh, in the grand scheme of life, if I asked you about your life and you had a, a, a wife and kids and, and all that, you would not tell me you would take a bullet for your work. You would tell me you would take a bullet for your wife and kids. You wouldn't tell me your, your work is the most important thing is you'd tell me your wife and kids are, or if you're a, a, a wife, you would tell me your husband and kids are. So we talk those things, but then we don't do those things. And there comes this mismatch where people are looking for what they call life balance. Let me, let me tell you what life balance is. Um, it's a Yeti. It's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and it's a unicorn. And they write books about them. Uh, they have movies about them, but they're not real. And neither is life balance. Life balance is this ability to maneuver. <clears throat> I call it ebb and flow like a kung fu master, like Bruce Lee. Amidst all these competing places uh, that create the extraordinary life, of which work is only one. Now, Mike, how do you get that? A couple of ways. First of all, <clears throat> I think you get it through self-awareness. Mike, you've gone through our assessments, the assessments I recommend for your listeners or your viewers, uh, Colby, uh, A with a K, K K-O-L-B-E, Strength Finder. I like the full 34 version, uh, Fascination Advantage. I love the five love languages. If you have a significant other in your life, uh, both of you should know each other's love language. And there's a book called Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. What self-awareness allows you to do is to put the right priorities uh, in your to-do list and in your calendar. Don't tell me that you would take a bullet for their kids, but I don't see their basketball game on your calendar. Don't tell me your your husband is the most important thing to you, but I don't see a date uh, on your calendar. I don't see money allocated to a vacation. And so when we get that self-awareness, we now begin seeing ourselves for who we are. Then, Mike, I think uh, there's the mastery of productivity. And productivity is not time management. Productivity is priority management. And it's waking up, Mike. I know you're a master of the morning routine. Perhaps you would share a little bit about that. 
There's also an evening routine so that you get enough sleep. Sleep is the most influential factor on your, your health, your performance, and your longevity. Um, uh, nutrition next, exercise third. And I know you've got a good morning routine. And Mike, and this is really important, uh, you know <clears throat> you've used the one-page personal plan. And the one-page personal plan is where you're mapping out your life from today to where you want to be when you get out towards your tombstone. And most people, Mike, are just waking up and doing the day. Matter of fact, not only are they doing the day, they're grabbing their phone as soon as they wake up and they're into everybody's chaos, not their life, not their plan. And so it's mastering productivity. It's mastering the morning routine. It's mastering those high priorities in your life. And it's building out this plan that you execute on on a quarterly, monthly, weekly, you know, annual basis, Mike, that owns that this is the only life I had. Mike, I know you've read The Dash by Linda Ellis. That makes it real. When people come to your funeral, what are they going to say about you? Are they going to say that you worked so many hours that it was phenomenal? Or are they going to say you poured into other humans? I mean, everybody gets that intrinsically, Mike, but we want them to live it on a day-to-day basis. It's you know, we see the the cover of Forbes magazines. We see all these vanity metrics, these things that we equate success with entrepreneurship, business owners. You know, we don't see enough of like, like you said, being at the ball games, right. you know, being in shape, you know, right. getting a good night's rest. You know, right. that's the dream right there. Right. Like being able to run your own business and have a well rested uh, evening every night, yes. reading the book, having a nice latte, yes. you know, something. Um having a date, getting home for dinner on time, helping your daughter with her homework, uh, coaching your son at baseball, um, you know, uh, going out on a date, you know, with your husband uh, and and not talking about work or the kids. Um, These are the true gifts that entrepreneurs underestimate. And it is possible to have it all. I, I, I know you know, you read books and magazines, and a lot of that is all hocus pocus. But with intentional effort, a mindset, and a commitment and structure, Mike, it is possible to to have it all. Now, it may not be all you want, based on your seasonal life. If you have twin babies at home and you're still nursing, but it, but it is possible to drive more than work. And, and I, I, I can tell you, Mike, from my own personal experience, I did not do this. I've told you that a hundred times uh, into the cohort. The reason the Lions Pride exists because I'm now bringing what I wish I had done back when I was 30, 35, 40, had babies at home, all that sort of stuff. So I think the first thing I would tell your listeners is do not believe the shit that grinding it out and working seven days a week and honey... I got to do this for the next two or three years and then we'll get back to our family life. Do not believe those, those lies because that's exactly what they are. And I feel like that's going to hit really hard with our audience that are veterans and military spouses, because we've already sacrificed so much on the That is true. Being away from our families, true. Right? all that kind of stuff. doesn't make any sense to transition to the civilian world, start a business and recreate the environment that we want to leave in the first place. You know, you can't, you know, can't say I want to be around my family. I want to do all this kind of stuff. Then you start a business and you do the exact opposite. And so I appreciate you for being honest about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Of like, at the end of the day, we have to have the self-awareness to determine what success looks like for us. Right. Yes. Outside of all the competing things that are trying to show us what success looks like, whether it's on mm-hmm. you know, videos and Instagram and all this kind of stuff. Stay focused, Mm -hmm. insulate yourself, and be very intentional. And so as we recap, you know, how Mm -hmm. do we 10X our businesses? First thing you said is figure out who, not how. You know, who are you going to bring onto your team to help you? Whether that's admin, whether that's, you know, some marketing support, you know, getting the right people on the bus, getting the wrong people off the bus and moving forward. You know, being intentional and building out systems for your revenue. At the end of the day, This is business. We need to generate revenue to increase our impact. I've had this conversation with you. I'm a social entrepreneur, right? So I care more about the community and the stuff I'm able to do. You know, revenue and big numbers were never like my priority. 
But one thing you helped me understand was I can create more impact. Yes. You know, if I can generate more revenue to bring on more people to run this operation externally yeah. of me, I can focus my time working with kids in the gym, growing my nonprofit, et cetera. Yep. So we have to have the revenue dialed in. The other thing we need to do is we also need to, I think we talked about, was it self-awareness? Yep. You know, figuring out what's working, what's not working. Instead, who I am. Yeah, who we are, what who, kind of business. Who should I hire? What should I be doing every day? You know, the self-awareness allows uh, you to choose what, more wisely. And then lastly, we've got to also make sure we're taking care of ourselves and our life outside of the business, our friends, so, our family, our health, how are we prioritizing the things that are important to us. So like you said, when you're dead and gone, how are people talking about you at your funeral? You know, are you the greatest boss ever? You know, are you a family man? Like, what do you want people to remember you by? And you've got to set intention around that because nobody else is. And so as we wrap up this interview, this office hour session, you've got listeners from all across the country, all across the world, veteran military spouses and early stage small business owners. What closing remarks would you like to leave them with, Bill? And I want to preface this. It's a very challenging time for people. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of uncertainty in the world still. and Totally. They're hungry and they want to be successful entrepreneurs. And so yep. what would you like to leave them with? I'm going to leave them with three things, Mike. First, I'm going to leave them with a set of books. If that's okay. And I'm going to divide the categories into, into three, three categories. First is work. Um, and do you do show notes, Mike? I do. Okay. So you'll, you'll put everything in the show notes, but uh, scaling up by Vern Harness, traction, Gino Wickman, the Four Disciplines of Execution from Chris McChesney, and one that I really like is called Radical Focus by Christina Watkins. All right. Then I'm going to do one for productivity. Uh, the, the signature book I want you to start with is Essentialism by Greg McKeon. And then there's two books I want you to read, please, 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 for your life. One is Designing Your Life by Bill Burnett, and the other is The Dash by Linda Ellis. So that's, that's uh, what I want to leave with you, number one. Number two, Mike. You know that I run free public-facing workshops. They're listed on my website. Much of what you and I have talked about today, I teach for free. And I would love to see any Bunker Lab uh, listener or viewer there. Uh, It's real deal stuff, Mike. You can explain in the show notes. We're not here to uh, uh, just learn stuff. We're here to do stuff. And a lot of what we talked about, we do in these free workshops. And last, Mike. I want to encourage your viewers and your listeners to believe. Yes, it's hard, but you know what? Every one of these listeners, whether it's a spouse uh, or whether it's a military veteran, they have been in harder situations than what they're facing right now with much more dire circumstances and outcomes. And they excel, they thrive, they accomplish the mission. And I have absolutely no doubt in my military mind that this is just another mission that they will accomplish. And so what we can't have that will slow them down is doubt. And what we can't have is them wandering and wandering around uh, uh, without proven resources. So believe, commit, and then go find the best. And if that's Mike Stedman and Bunker Labs for your who, then you're, you're in the right place. Bill, I appreciate you being with us today. I know your time is worth $10,000 a minute. Mine's $20,000 a minute. I know. I've raised it. Where can people follow you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'd love to, uh, to, for people to follow me on LinkedIn, William B.C. Watkins. Uh, you'll find me there. My LinkedIn profile, you can put it in the uh, chat. If you're so inclined, you, you read my profile and you love that I walk on water and fly like Superman, then you, we can connect. I'm happy to talk to anybody at any time. All you have to do is let me know in a DM and I'll send you a link and you can jump on my calendar or I can jump on yours. And then number two, Mike, of course, the free public workshops, thelionspride.com. It's plural, Lions Pride, all one word. And in the upper left, uh, we've got free resources. It's called our arsenal. We've got our free public workshops. Mike, we believe in uh, Bunker Lab. We believe in military veterans and we believe in startup entrepreneurs. And we are here to help whatever that means for you, the listener, you, the viewer. You heard it from the man himself. Be sure to check out www.thelionspride.com and sign up for his free workshops and learn more about all the amazing programming 
and uh, workshops that they're doing. For our listeners, do be sure for our listeners, do us a favor and subscribe to the transition on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. We'd greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this podcast with someone in your network who you feel can benefit from the information. If you want to get plugged into the Bunker Lab ecosystem, visit www.bunkerlabs.org, select the city nearest to you, sign up for the local newsletter, and attend one of our networking events. It's that simple. From there, get connected at Bunker Online, where you can learn about our many different programs to support your entrepreneurial journey. We have programs that will take you from idea to invoice, incubate you, and position you to grow alongside other founders and CEOs. Register today by clicking connect at bunkerlabs.org. Thanks again, Bill, for joining us. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.